0: No Purpose Without Love is a podcast dedicated to helping you find purpose through the relentless pursuit of God's love. The unfortunate reality is that we are born into a world that does not know God. Since God is synonymous with love, to be without God is to be without love. This podcast aims to bring light to the dark areas of your life so that you gain a deeper connection with love as a person, more affectionately known as Jesus. Jesus spoke often about the kingdom of God and in the kingdom, love is the why behind everything that exists, including our purpose. I am your host, Dave Garesso, and my hope and prayer is that you will experience the overwhelming love of God so powerfully that you will become love to a world is still very much without love. God has given me the ability to provide the spark, but he wants to fan into flames the purpose that he has for you, which always leaves a trail of breadcrumbs leading right back to our father and creator. Please remember to follow this podcast to continue receiving notifications about new episodes as they're released. Now let's get fired up. Well, hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, depending on where you are in the world listening to this right now. I am the host of the No Purpose Without Love podcast. My name is Dave Gareso. Here we learn to lead well, live on purpose, and honor God with our lives. Today I have with you a special guest, my friend who I've known for years, Mr. Stan Belisha. Welcome to the show, Stan.
1: Thank you, my friend, David. It's a great honor and privilege to be part of your podcast. Thank you for having me.
0: I'm so glad you're here. So why don't you just like, let's just get right into it and start off by telling us the story of like kingdom discipleship. That is your thing. That has been your thing. As long as I've known you, I know your heart, your passion. It makes me excited. Just seeing your face lights me up when I think about it. So how did you get into the line of work that, that you're in today? Like what's the story behind it?
1: Yeah, great question. Thank you. Uh, like anything else, you know, usually our past or our upbringing, whether it's the good, the bad and the ugly, it tends to shape and form us. And uh, in during the process, almost like a, the diamond that's being formed way beneath the earth and the mantle taken under so much pressure lava magla and everything else and over a certain time just you know over they say you know millions of years tends to come up uh, same thing here uh, obviously haven't grown up in a christian family i came from a great family but you know my most of my christian upbringing seemed a bit religious to me too conservatives rules of do's and don'ts and i'm like oh really this is the god that supposedly i want to serve and jesus christ said no way so obviously had my own fair share going into the world but after the good lord got a hold of me got a grab of my heart i'm like okay what, what can i do for the kingdom uh, what can i do for god and the whole word that you introduce you know kingdom that was not anything new to me or even familiar to me at that time again uh coming from that type of religious background only later in life in the walk with the lord and begin to discover wait a minute that's what jesus was talking about that's what he was preaching about so let me dive into that you know i'm not just a child of god or a christian or somebody that goes to church and you know tries to memorize certain prayers but there's actually uh, i'm a child of a king we have a king by the name of jesus he talked about the kingdom we preached about the kingdom he challenges all of us to speak the same thing and to do the same thing and to establish his kingdom so i'm like wait a minute so if we're talking kingdom here then i'm a child of a king so now, if I'm a child of a king, is there a difference between children of somebody who's part of royalty and the just average folks? Of course there is. And if you search through just regular history to see average people and those who are part of the kingdom or part of royalty, they're raised differently. They talk differently. They eat differently. They behave differently. Their culture is different, especially right now, uh, lately, on the news when you hear, you know, about the what's been happening in new england with uh, prince harry and all that stuff i I don't want to you know worry with that and and they're always in the news because obviously everybody's curious why you know they're deciding to step away from their whole royalty stuff so i guess the point is when you understand that you're a child of a king you're part of a kingdom you're no longer looking yourself as well i'm just a typical churchgoer i'm just a typical christian you know and then if you view yourself like that as soon as problems and issues and other circumstances arise well, guess what? Now you're responding like a Christian. You're you're behaving like a church goer, and you're like, "Oh, wait a minute. Um, there's something missing here. I, I'm not I'm not enjoying this whole walk with the Lord, sort of speak." But as soon as you just think, "Wait a minute, I'm a child of a king," all of a sudden your mindset begins to shift. I'm part of a kingdom. And typically we understand the concept of ambassadorships that even though know, most countries they'll send out their ambassador to represent their other countries. So even Apostle Paul challenges us, He goes, I'm ambassador of Christ. So knowing us that we're living here, David, for whatever time being upon this earth, we are ambassadors to the king and to the kingdom, representing his kingdom upon this earth. So the whole concept of just kingdom leadership, kingdom identity, kingdom discipleship, instead of just Christian leadership, Christian discipleship, that one word began to revolutionize me, began to change my thought process. It began to change my perception about myself, about my identity. Uh, I began to look at the outlook of my life from a whole different perspective. At one point when I was looking at my whole walk with the Lord, kind of, uh, man, this the whole thing. That's I don't understand. It's really not that fun and joyful. But now, wait a minute. I'm a child of a king. All of a sudden, you know, it's it's like a fresh breath of air. And even right now, to this day, David, the currently local church that I attend, or even other fellow brothers and sisters in the Lord that I interact with, anytime we, you know, come up across, I guess you can say, certain challenges or problems or issues in conversations and et cetera, I'm no longer approaching that from like a religious Christian perspective. Ah, oh, man, that's that's how church is. You know, that's how pastors are. Oh, that's how it is. It's like, wait a minute. Okay. Hold on. Well, if now I position myself from a position of the kingdom perspective, it's like, OK, well, what can Jesus teach us about this? What can we do now different to change this in my local church or in the ministry or in my life, in my marriage, in my family, uh, people around me that, you know, the Heavenly Father will bring into my personal life? So it's 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 that's where the big revelation came in. That's something that's has become like my personal heartbeat.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, the, the kingdom idea will change everything, right? And it makes me think of the late Dr. Miles Monroe, because yes. that was like something he was big on. But I also realize it's not something we talk a lot about these days, right? We do think of it from a churchy, religious perspective. But when you really see that, like, wow, there's like an entire kingdom, it's a it's essentially a monarchy, and you have a king, but this is a really, really good king, you know, that, that loves you dearly. So- This is kind of where my next question is gonna come from. We're looking at it from more of a macro level, but let's go to the more micro level because it also begins with a relationship between a king and his sons. That's kind of where it starts as we grow into that. And so like you have this very intimate relationship with Jesus Christ as dad, right? And I know for some, maybe even that word carries some negative things with it. That's not easy to hear, but this is the type of dad that did it right. Right. So what has that walk in your life with Jesus been like and how how has that impacted your life and your journey in this mission that you have?
1: Excellent question. Uh, As I mentioned earlier, having grown up in a Christian family, even, even for many years, my father has been like an assistant or an associate pastor. Obviously, he role modeled to me a lot of good things. But then I've also observed a lot of this religiosity, do's and don'ts, this Pharisee type of um, attitude, approach, mentality. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. It's like, you know, there's got to be something bigger about that. So where I believe that came to me as a personal revelation is this one word is identity. And it's not just identity, but it came into in this form of these two phrases, my identity in Christ and my identity through Christ. Those two phrases, David, they sound the same, but just one word is different in Christ and through Christ. So in a nutshell, this is how I wanna, you know, just explain it to you and to all the viewers and listeners is my identity in Christ is what everything Jesus has done for me and continues to do in me. But my identity through Christ is what Christ can now do through me. So let me take a little bit step back and kind of expound on that. So my identity in Christ, I received salvation. I received love, mercy, forgiveness, redemption, deliverance, healing. And through my identity in Christ, I discovered I'm a child of God. This is a key thing. This is something I know a lot of people have struggled with. They struggled it maybe for a certain season, but I know a lot of people like, well, you know, I'm just saved by grace and hopefully I'll make it to heaven. Yeah, but if you see yourself as a son of God or a child of God or a daughter of God, you're going to think differently. What do you mean? And I understood that when I received that revelation that I'm a child of God and I began to interact with other people by testifying about that, that seemed to intimidate them, even offensive. Oh, Stan, what do you think you are? God only has one son, Jesus. I'm like, yeah. But have you heard what Jesus was talking about when you pray to your father in heaven? Hmm? And there's so many passages where Jesus addresses his father as our father. So wait a minute. If Jesus is addressing his father, also be my father, I'm a child. Okay. And so that needs to become a powerful relation partially also my identity in Christ. So once I understand David and I discovered my identity in Christ, I already have a strong foundation to stand upon. And since I already have that strong foundation, that spiritual foundation to stand upon, now I need to discover and to understand my identity through Christ. I always like to use this analogy. My identity in Christ goes this way, and my identity through Christ goes this way. It's it's almost shaping like a cross. And now it's like, okay, Lord, I've discovered, you know, that I'm your child. I'm loved, I'm forgiven. All my sins are passed away. There's power in the blood of Jesus. I have the Holy Spirit living inside of me. Okay, so what? Do I just simply live out my life and exist? No, now I need to release my identity and purpose through Christ. We understand that physically speaking, Jesus is no longer walking on this earth, but Jesus is in me. Jesus and you. So wherever you go, wherever I go, whenever I open my mouth, whenever you open your mouth, our hands, our feet, our eyes, our ears, uh, our resources, our finances, our potential gifting, now whatever Christ has done in us, David, now Christ can do the same thing through us. So if I received salvation, mercy, love, and forgiveness, now Jesus saying, hey, David, I want to use you as a vessel. I want to now go reach out to those who are lost so they can receive that same salvation you have, so others can receive that same joy that you have, so others can have that same hope that you have. But the tragedy I noticed over the years is a lot of times people get stuck or should i say god's children on the first part i receive my identity in christ i come to church oh hallelujah jesus everything's awesome everything's good and it's almost feels like selfish faith or selfish christianity me myself and i the other trinity you know it's not you know the trinity of god the father son and the holy spirit it's me myself and i it's like wait a minute you know do hold on to that knowledge that you have received the breakthrough that you have received Even us, you mentioned, you know, uh, talking about marriage, Uh, both of us have been married for a while, that whatever we have went through our marriages, we understand that Christ being the center of it, when we relied upon Him for us to go through some struggles— now that becomes not only a personal testimony to you as a couple, but also you can use that to other married couples. So when God will bring others into your life, you know, another married couple, like, you know what, I, I, I can share something with you. You know, and when you share that thought with them, they're like, oh, my goodness, what, what do you have uh, a spy camera in a room that you're watching us. You're, you're talking my story. And we had plenty of these conversations. So that's at least just to answer that question.
0: Yeah, it it makes me think of, um, you know, a friend of mine and I used to talk about breathing. And I don't know, you know, you may, may or may not realize this, when plants breathe in, they breathe in the carbon dioxide and breathe out the oxygen, the oxygen we breathe in. And then we breathe out the car. There's the symbiotic relationship and that same type of relationship exists between Christ and us and us and other believers. And we are, this is, it's in and through, in and through, it's not just being a reservoir, but a river, uh, not just a, a conduit, or I like to use cul-de-sac and conduits, right? Things are meant to flow through us. But first, it's about who is in us and who we're in at the same time. So powerful, right? I wanted to ask you about identity. I think you went, you already answered the question that I had. So let's talk about purpose for a minute, Stan, because purpose is closely coupled to this identity thing that we're talking about. And so what does that even mean? Like, I I know when we say purpose, it's always been my gut instinct that most people, when they hear that they're just thinking, what's my okay. job at work somewhere right but it, you and i both know that it's so much deeper than that there's a lot more to to just a job to purpose it's interwoven in yeah. in and throughout our lives to yes. your point so what is what comes to mind when i say the word purpose and why is that significant for
1: you? okay uh I- I like to put the words identity and purpose together. And and if I can share this thought or phrase that the day or the moment you discover and understand your kingdom identity will be the day you give birth to your purpose. Mm. And because that's where it will originate from. But if you do not know your identity in Christ and your identity through Christ, it's going to be very difficult for anybody to understand what their purpose in life is. Because even the word purpose speaks for yourself, you know, well, I did that on purpose. You know, sometimes like, you know, it's kids, did you do that on purpose? You know, so so, the word speaks for itself. So to answer that question is for us to understand our purpose. You're right. It's not, well, here's my job. Here's my career. And okay, I'm a millionaire or I'm successful in this area. Is that really my purpose? And if you only limit that to just one specific sphere, and it's just a matter of time until you're like, okay, you're going to start asking this question. Well, what is my purpose in life? Wait a minute. Uh, You're supposedly successful in business. Why are you asking that question? So it's a lot more deeper than that. And a lot of times when we walk in our personal identity with Christ and through Christ by being his disciple, there's going to come different seasons and stages of our life uh you know when we look at just the regular cycle of uh, a child being born you have an infant then they become a toddler a teenager a youth a young adult a mature individual and you know uh, an elderly person and then you know already in their prime so just as much as we have david natural cycle in our physiognomy where we we physically are growing developing okay we cannot just say well you know i i like the teenage stage can i stay here for, for a long time Well, that's if we tend to, especially us as men and guys, if we tend to get stuck in a certain stage of our life, usually from our loving wives, we'll get this, uh, honey, please grow up. (laughs) We've all been guilty of that. And, you know, there's more than humor behind that. It's like, well, come on, act your age, you know, be a lot more mature. You're not in high school anymore. So we see that as, David, normal and natural in our everyday physical life. Uh, right now I have three teenagers. I have a 19 year old, 16 year old, and a 10 year old. And obviously what I require, demand or challenge from my teenagers is not gonna be the same for my 10 year old, because I understand just different level of maturity, different responsibilities and et cetera. One of them is like, okay, why don't you, you know, work in do to have a job? The other one's like, did you do your homework? You see what I mean? Yeah. So I require from both of them, but from different things. So purpose, it's not just like, oh, I found my purpose. That's it, book closed. Book finished. No, it's ever-growing. We're mm-hmm. continually growing in it. So there was a time in my life uh, for about 10 years, I was a youth pastor, part of the first church I attended, and that was a phenomenal season. Did I ever think that I was going to be in that position and sphere forever no maybe in the beginning it seemed like wow because uh, being a youth pastor during those years was totally revolutionary it changed my life uh, forever in a positive way you know then it shifted to something else and what i'm doing right now like my local church and overall is not the same as what i did before even though all of those things that i did previously david were part of my purpose they were like stepping stones they were just, okay, uh, Okay, what's my next uh, train station? I like to use this principle, the train principle. Uh, the train, it's our purpose, it's our destiny. Uh, the conductor in the train, it's the Holy Spirit or Jesus himself. And as this train is driving towards our ultimate destiny and purpose, we're gonna make different train stops. Now, here's the interesting thing, like at any train stop or bus stop, you have people, some people go on the bus and some get off. Same thing here. You'll have people who will be part of your purpose or your life, your destiny, up to a certain train station, and then they're gone. Only a small percentage, David, are going to be the ones that are going to go all all the way to the end. It's usually your spouse, your children, close people, and and a few very close friends. Mm -hmm. But the most part, people will come and go. Some people will be on your purpose train for two, three, five years, Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden they're gone. At first, it's a little shocking. Oh my goodness, what happened? I used to be part of this community. I used to be part of this church. We kind of grew up together. It's because you are so passionate, uh, David, about your purpose that those people who are part of your circle could no longer add value to you. And as a matter of fact, you begin to even frustrate them. And you're like, man, why, why have I seen some of my friends kind of, you know, get it irritated or things are changing? It's because uh, when we continue to get a focus on our purpose, it's going to drive us forward. So, to, again, uh, hopefully, I'm answering the question is so purpose, it's always something ever growing until we finally say uh, what the, the words is, you know, as Jesus on the cross, it is finished. And that's when we know we have completed our purpose.
0: Yeah, it makes me think too of season, reason, lifetime, the train principle, right? You've heard that there's people in your life for a season, a reason, and a lifetime. And there's very few lifetimers, right? Um, so I want to talk about leadership a little bit, because I know that ties into this as well. Um, so why don't, why don't we start there? Like what, what, what role does leadership play in all this? Let's start with.
1: Uh, we can both agree since we're both like, uh, students and followers of Jeff Maxwell, he's still, tends to take the best credit for having one of the greatest definitions for leadership. Leadership is influence, nothing more and nothing less. And that's what it is. Uh, Leadership is influence. What I've uh, discovered recently, David, that uh, leadership for us as those who call ourselves God's children and the children of God, that leadership is discipleship. And that came to me in a very interesting way, because when we think of discipleship, we're like, well, if I'm a disciple of Christ, that means he's my leader, and if I'm his disciple, that means I'm following him. So that kind of makes me a follower slash disciple. It, it does. But again, if you get stuck only, David, on that phase, you will always be uh, stuck in that first part, my identity in Christ. So in this case, I want to answer this question, leadership, not more from a corporate world perspective, but more at least from the biblical discipleship perspective. So to me, leadership is discipleship. And discipleship equals leadership. Yeah. So so what does that mean in the sense? We understand that Jesus is the greatest leader that has ever lived and has ever walked on the face of this earth, especially what he said and did, and we read that through the Gospels. So before I become a leader, meaning a personal influence, now influence takes obviously different shapes and forms because there's good influence, bad influence, godly influence, and demonic influence. We see influence everywhere, all over social media you know clickbait and you're watching and you just get stuck You're like whoa what am i doing you know i shouldn't be watching this i shouldn't be consuming this so and it's kind of interesting i somewhat have an issue with this description up to a certain degree but those people who are on social media and they're very well known somehow they were titled this description oh do you know him or her no why oh they're an influencer i like, influencer? Well, I don't know. Them. Why are they an influencer? And it's interesting. I'm not sure, you know, who did that or when it came out, but in the recent couple of years, these people who are very well known and popular in social media, it does not matter who they are. They're considered influencers. Again, it's a double edged sword. It has its own meaning to it. And and at the same time, it has a, a wrong focus to it because obviously you have a lot of people who have the wrong influencers. So we can totally <laughs> t- title them differently. So Again, going back to leadership and discipleship, so if I want to become a leader and I want to influence somebody for God's kingdom with my gift, that's my identity through Christ, I have to first and foremost become that true disciple of Christ. I need to be committed. I need to be faithful. And I'm not talking about I will make mistakes in my life or potentially maybe commit a sin. Okay? I'm not talking about that because as human beings, we're vulnerable. We have our own weaknesses, as the Word of God says. In our weaknesses, He's made strong. So as soon as, David, we become that faithful disciple of Christ, we're walking after Him. We're learning from Him. We're, we're diving into His Word. We're praying. We're fasting. We're allowing the Holy Spirit to work in us and through us, then through me being that faithful disciple, now I become that kingdom leader. Now I become influential. Sometimes we think, well, how come, you know, God is not using me or how come am I not impactful? Well, if you're being honest with yourself, you have to go back and analyze yourself. Okay, but am I being a faithful disciple Mm -hmm. or am I just a Christian? You know what I mean? Somebody goes to church, praise the Lord, hallelujah, I'll see you guys next Sunday. Mm -hmm. So Discipleship, just in itself, you know, as I mentioned to, I'm uh, doing the online uh, Kingdom discipleship curriculum. The whole concept is that for me to understand that it's not about me. There, there was a time, the whole world evolved around me. But if I really want a spiritual grown mature, it's no longer about me. Of course, it's hard for any parent to convince their little baby when it's crying at three o'clock in the morning, mom and dad wants to sleep. It's like, ah, come on, we got to get up for work. Don't you know, just, you know, wake, wake up at seven in the morning, and start crying for your milk bottle. No, the, the child does not think like that. In that mind, the child is like, I'm hungry. I just sold my diaper. I feel irritated. I want to be in mama's hands and however it may be but that's a season but then there comes a time as a child grows up as a parent you start teaching okay take responsibility there was a time papa and mama fed you now you feed yourself so as much as that's true in the natural day but that is also true spiritually speaking and that's where we as a disciples of christ we grow mature and we need to come to that maturity level it's no longer about me yes i'm saved i'm washed by the blood i understand my purpose God loves me now. It's like, Lord, can I position myself where you can use me, my identity through Christ? That's where that leadership comes in, where now I'm walking and operating whichever sphere of life, whether it's in marriage, and family, in my subdivision, in my neighborhood, in my local church, in my business, at work as an employee, wherever I go, in whichever sphere of influence God has entrusted us with, that means we bring that kingdom there. Now, I am a disciple of Christ, but when I'm out there, I'm actually a kingdom ambassador who's a leader. I'm bringing that influence. So when people are around me, they know, hey, you know what? I noticed, David, that, you know, you don't talk like us. You don't cuss. You don't, you don't, you know, hey, look at her. You have a whole different, because that's kingdom mindset. And that's where influence comes in. But when you are not that faithful disciple— and you do go to that same job and they're talking about, you know, perverse things and girls, you kind of jump in, hey, hey oh, wow, let me see that video. You're, you're kind of joining in there. You see what I mean? So this is where hopefully I was able to answer the whole concept, at least from a biblical perspective on leadership.
0: That's good. Now you said a whole lot there. I don't know that I'm going to be able to rewind and capture all the things, but... One thing you were talking about is how influence can be used in either direction, right? I think it is important to point out that we can use influence for manipulation. We can use it for evil purposes. That's not what a kingdom man or woman does, right? And that's your point. But I think it's important to realize that it can be incorrectly used. You talked a lot about influencers, and and the power that they actually have to actually say something yeah. and cause people to move too though yeah. right and so that's where i think that term comes from but here here's something that i wanted to call out it's not about us but i've often said this too i think in to some degree it is about us but maybe not in the context that you're thinking. It's not about us at the same time as it has everything to do with us. And here's what I mean. I'm gonna rewind back in our conversation a little bit and we're gonna intertwine some leadership and some purpose stuff together. Now you share as much as you wish here on this live stand, but you weren't always in this country. You went through some things earlier in your life. You know what true persecution is like you've experienced that. Now, again, at your discretion, share what you will, but there was a transition from that phase of your life to where you are today talking about that. Talk as much as you're comfortable on on that transition.
1: Yeah, since you touched upon that, uh, just for your uh, audience to know, I was originally born in a former Soviet Union. It's what we understand today as Russia. And when I still lived then, it was communist country, that's what's called USSR. Uh, now, you know, we just got rid of USSR's, it's USA, that's where I live right now. <laughs> uh, and uh, so what I remember, uh, at least as an eight-year-old, uh, before we came to America as uh, refugees, not as immigrants, because there was a certain measure of cr- oppression and persecution for those who call themselves Christians. And uh, I do remember a couple uh, points or moments. Uh, one of them I was in a hospital at you know, something caught a disease or infection. I remember I was there for a few weeks. And obviously they knew I was a Christian for different reasons. It's like, it's like you know, somehow you may do, try your best to hide it, but but they eventually discovered it. I guess that was one of the purposes of communism, just to kind of, you know, sniff you out or something like that. And I remember there was a moment, because uh, I was around like age seven or something like that, when uh, they would have like nap time during the day for like little kids, because there were different people of different uh, ages in the hospital. Uh, I remember this one moment, uh, the doctors just kind of pulled me out of bed. Before I was ready to go to sleep, I like, why don't you stand over here? So I was kind of standing more like in a kitchen area and all the other doctors, nurses were eating. And they were just talking about me and mocking me because I was a Christian. So here I am, a seven-year-old in a hospital in a corner that's supposed to be treated by them, but while at the same time being bullied. And uh, I don't believe it uh, scarred me. Uh, but I do remember that moment. Was I afraid, possibly? And then there was other moments where, when I was attending first grade in the Soviet Union, once a week they would have this um, uh, thing that's called Lineka. It's more of like it's a communist propaganda. They would uh, bring everybody to the main hall. It was a very long hall. All the students and the director would usually give allegiance to Lenin, to Stalin, give their communist propaganda speech. You know, it's brainwashing. But that's pretty much what it is. It's what we see, you know, in a good part of communist countries like North Korea and even uh, China and other countries in their own ways. And I do remember when they would do this once a week, usually the principal would say this, okay, anyone who is a Christian, why don't you step out of the line and parents taught us you know if they were to challenge you about your faith just don't be afraid of it they, they cannot you know as a child they're not going to really physically hurt you with adults it's a little bit differently you know imprisonment beating them up and et cetera but not with little children at least not at that season in the 60s the 50s the 40s yes it didn't really matter it was a different level of persecution and usually at that moment after the principal would say that we would step out You know, there wouldn't be too many of us. And in front of the whole school, the principal would mock us and demean us. Like, I'll look at this. This is an insult to Motherland Russia and et cetera. So whether it's coming from that background of that type of persecution as a little child or any type of, I guess you can say, David, persecution in our life, uh, however it may look like, it will either make us or break us. It will either strengthen us, David, or we're going to say, you know what? god I, I thought serving you is supposed to be easy supposed to be relaxing it's like sitting in a spiritual jacuzzi oh yes holy spirit it's all good well of course there are seasons for that but then there's also life there's also reality uh, you know that the, there's evil is real devil is real sin is real and if you choose to be the light well guess what anyone that's part of darkness they're going to oppose you as the Bible says, you know, if you take a light, you're not gonna hide it underneath the table, you know, you're gonna put it out there so everybody can see it. Same thing here. So for us as God's children, it's very important. Whatever, you know, that's my personal story. I know all of us have our own personal stories that we need to allow God not only to work in us, but to also work through us.
0: Yeah. So but how, Stan, has that that chapter of your life prepared you for the chapter that you're in yep. today?
1: Yep. They think, thanks for the call. Yeah, in my case, uh, in recent years, uh, especially I'm being, you know, pretty active on social media, and I'll probably date back maybe as far as past ten years or so. Just seeing what's happening in our own country of America through the word socialism, uh, liberation. Uh, this is free will. I can do whatever I want with my life, my body. To see that type of a mindset, especially in the younger generation, uh, only tells me of a few things that a lot of them have not necessarily experienced. I guess if we can use the word persecution, as you mentioned earlier, like other countries, yeah, they have to be wise in a sense. Uh, not to be too open about their fate because they can not only go to jail, but they could also get killed right there, right in the spot. And for me, I understood that because of that type of upbringing, it, uh, the fire, I guess you can say, was a bit in a different level and magnitude that strengthened me. So right now, as I may be going through different things in life, or as I'm watching what's happened in the world society, my response and reaction is different to that. I'm not like, oh my goodness, what's happened to my country? What's happened around us? Oh, Jesus, a war here, a war there. The finances are not doing good. No, it it actually strengthened me on a different level. And and also positioned me, David, uh, to answer that question furtherly, that as I interact with people, whether face-to-face or through social media, you know, I do get some hit uh, feedback from some people like, wow, Stan, why are you supporting this person or why are you talking about that? You need to be a bit more relevant or you need to change your theology and approach. And I tell them, I say, guys, look, because I know where I came from. I know where I grew up on. And I said, if our country continues the way it's going, allowing anyone and anything just to do whatever they want, I, I can already foresee where that's going to. So we as God's children, if you consider yourself a child of God, we need to be, you know, be clear cut black and white. No no, no gray. You're either hot or cold. And then the book of Revelation so you're clear because you're neither hot nor cold, but lukewarm, I shall vomit you out. So I think uh, whether it's me coming from former Soviet Union and through my upbringing and different things, it has strengthened me, uh, my faith to see things from a different perspective, which I believe, at least for me, has given me some credibility to talk about certain things from a whole different perspective, which gives me influence. And I was quickly reminded from one of my first spiritual mentors, uh, Jonathan, and he goes, Stan, you know what? Uh, You have a lot more credibility to talk about like sexual purity in relationships and dating. I'm like, why? Because I'm a youth pastor, at least I was a youth pastor back then. He's like, no, he goes, because of your uh, personal testimony. I'm like, what do you mean by that? He goes, well, what I've learned from you, both you and your wife, you got married as virgins. I'm like, okay, and he goes, me, that wasn't the case. It's different. So he goes, I can still talk about sexual purity, but my credibility is not going to be as good as yours. I'm like, huh, interesting. I didn't look at it from that perspective. So what I learned from that, David, is why do we usually see somebody who comes out of alcoholism or drug addiction, all of a sudden that person is now passionate to reach out that same age group. Somebody who is in pornography, somebody who went through maybe sex trafficking or however the devil bound them, when Jesus has freed them, now they become have so passionate to go into that same sphere. Why? Because they came out of that. So, of course, they have a different level of credibility and influence. Now, it does not mean that God cannot use us. He can, but you see, so that's at least the point I'm trying to make here
0: yeah passion is born from pain often is that's what i hear suffering pain trials we talk about consider it pure joy when you go through why right because of what it's producing in you and so this brings me back to the original point we do yep. say that it's not about us and in the context of leading others and providing value and serving others servant yep. leading like jesus did yeah that makes a lot of sense but who are you becoming when you go through those things because who you become determines where you're being led as you're a follower, right? Because we're talking about the close couple between followership and leadership. They go hand in hand because it's not just Christ in me. It's Christ through me, right? And so we're putting that all together. That is a good example of the definition of purpose, Stan, right? That what you went through in different seasons, different chapters of your life shaped you, and yes. you into the person that you are that equipped you to lead in the respective space that God yes. has assigned you to at this point in your life. And that's really what purpose is all about. That's what identity is all about. And one yes. more thing I want to say before we kind of wrap it up, you know, this isn't often talked about, but This idea of sanctification, glorification, justification, past, present, future, body, soul, spirit. There's a correlation between all these categories. Like when that moment, right? When we think about Christian Christianese, we'll just say the word Christianese, right? We have a certain language that we speak and all this religiosity. And you know, we don't even touch the kingdom. It's like that that whole talks for some people is hard to to even receive. But that's just the beginning. When the, when the spirit is saved by justification in the past, that's a past tense thing. But as we're going through the purpose, the leadership, the identity, the evolution essentially of our lives, as God is forming us, that is the process of sanctification. That yes. is a present tense. That's why you're saying it's evolving over yes. time. It's growing, it's taking shape. The relationships that go in and out of our lives are part of that process. That is at the soul level. That continues to happen. The soul relates to your mind, your yes. will, and your emotion. right? All of that is being evolved throughout the course of our earthly lives. Mm-hmm. That's the part that gets missed. That's what discipleship's all about. And eventually, even the body will die. And that's the process of glorification where we receive that new incorrupted body. That's the future tense. And that's when it's the culmination. We talk about all three parts, right? You got Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Humans also have body, soul, spirit. And that culmination, when we are glorified in heaven, like like he is with us, that's when it all culminates together. And the process is complete and we are made perfect like him. And that's that's our hope, right? But in the meantime, how do we draw others to him? How do we build the family of God, the kingdom of God, and by reflecting his character? And how do we reflect his character? By fulfilling the purpose that he has yes. created us for, by leading in the assigned space that he has given us from the beginning of time. So thank you for sharing this stuff, Stan. This is exciting. I get more fired up as I talk about it. <laughs> So like, just as we begin to wrap it up, like what is, you know, if you have one final word to say, what is your heart's cry to the listeners today going forward?
1: Yeah. Oh, I want to share this uh, thought or model that I've been trying to live by for a number of years. And it goes like this. How many people will be better off because of who you are and what value and worth you can add to their life? Let me say it again. How many people will be better off because of who you are, the gift that's in you, the potential that's in you, the calling that's in you, the experience that's in you? It, how many of them will be better off because now you're able to add it into their life? And I think uh, a, a lot of times we just think, wow, well, look, Lord, you know, uh, I don't really have that good resume. I remember talking to one of the angels, like, well, Stan, you know, here and listening to you, to your personal life testimony, how you gave your life to Christ, and listen to others. You guys have these great testimonies. You were in the world, you did this and that, and now God got a hold of you, and you're on fire for God. He's like, I don't think I have a testimony. I'm like, what do you mean by that? He's like, well, I never went into the world. You know, you know, I, you know I did a few silly things here and there, but I've never— did any practical thing, no drinking, no, no sex, nothing. I just, you know, I grew up in a Christian family, had a few ups and downs, but I don't have a testimony. And I said, that's where you're wrong. I said, that's where your testimony is. So it is possible to live a life without you getting indulged in darkness and sin and so on and so forth. And I said, yes, God's grace has been very sufficient. Now you can start testifying that we can overcome sin, that we can live a whole different lifestyle. So to encourage, you know, our our listeners is that you'll be surprised at how God can use you powerfully. And a lot of times we get stuck on the gift. Okay, God, what is my gift? What is my mission? You know, uh, how can I impact others? Just be who God created you to be. Yeah. If all you do and you come to work and you just have a positive attitude and a smile, you know what? You're already above average, my friend. It is. Because we are, David, you know, we're living in times where, especially right now what's happened around the world, it's like, oh my goodness, what's going to happen tomorrow? I'm shooting the other day. You know, we're out here and it's like, ah. Oh. So a lot of people are stressed out. People are under fear. People are full of anxiety. People are taking antidepressants, you know. Uh, they're going to substance abuse just to kind of alleviate uh, their fear and their depression, their anxieties. In your case, well, who do we go to if we feel all ancient anxiety? We go to Jesus. We go to the Holy Spirit. And so now when people around you are like, is everything okay? You're on medication. It's like you're always happy. Everything's falling apart around you. You're like, no, 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 I'm not on medication because the Word of God reminds us, greater is He who's inside of us than the one thing in the world and everything's happening. So it's it's as simple as that. Cause we, I think David overcomplicate our faith. We overcomplicate our mission, our calling. Oh, okay, well, I'm not a pastor. I'm not an evangelist. I'm not on the worship team. Oh, what's my calling on? Oh, you know what? Just be who you are, wherever you are. And you'll be surprised that God is gonna bring that coworker to you, that boss, that neighbor, et cetera. He's like, you know what? I've been watching you you always at peace. You have a smile on your face. What's your secret? You know, what is it that you do that? You, you that you're always finding peaceful. And boom, that's when we say the fish has took the bite out of the hook and the bait on it. And now God has given us the opportunity to speak to them, to minister to them and even potentially pray for them.
0: Yeah, it, it reminds me of a time somebody stopped me in the hallway uh, at work and he, he said this. He says, you know what I always notice about you, Dave, what really stands out? and it said what's that whenever you stop and say how's it going you actually stop and listen to the answer like you're right stan like there's it, it, to me it was like really like that's a big deal to you but yeah. the truth yeah. is is we're always going to the next thing we're running around chasing the next thing we don't even look around at what's happening right in front of us so it stands out when you just care a little bit like a smile makes a difference because that's how dark it can feel in this world sometimes. There's just where's the love, right? Where's the love? <laughs> so make yep. a little bit of effort. If we can encourage you guys listening or watching right now, make a little bit of effort today. Yes. Drop somebody a word of encouragement, and you will you may make their entire day or week for that matter, because you yep. do not know what people are going through. The truth is, is the ones that smile the most are the most in your face loud are often the ones that are suffering the most behind the scenes. Sure. I meet people all the time, believe it or not, Stan, you don't know this, but last year was a rough year for me, right? I had some of the most deepest depression I've experienced in my life going through that process. It wasn't fun, but on the outside, folks may have not seen that. Right. Yeah. So you just don't know what people are going through. Sure. Uh, remember to encourage them and pour that light into them. Like Stan was talking about. All right. So Stan, uh, what? how can people reach you? Like, and, and I want you to talk a little bit about your books. You've written eight different books, right? So share a little bit about that and how folks can reach you. And for those of you watching, I'm going to make sure that the links and the things that he talks about are posted in the uh, description of this podcast episode but go ahead Stan. tell
1: us yeah appreciate it i mean on the most part if they want to get to know more about me and everything i do they can go to uh, my uh, website that is standbellaship.com just as it's spelled on the screen i'm also active on social media i do have my own uh, youtube channel that i'm growing you can find it under kingdom influence in other platforms but in reference to books that's something that i believe is part of my calling, part of my mission, part of my kingdom assignment. Uh, what I've learned was we're very limited David uh, with how many years uh, we're gonna be alive in this earth. Obviously we're not living like in a day of they were living 500, 600, 900 years. You know, we'll be lucky if we'll make it to a hundred and uh, plus a few more. But uh, with the limited time we have, what I, the Lord put on my heart is that we can take something that we're very passionate about, something that really just to, every time we wake up in the morning and go to sleep, it's always in our mind, and we can put it in a form of a book we can put it in the form of a some kind of a post a video a podcast a song uh, an illustration It does not matter and once we release it out there okay it's like you release it in the water as it's flowing you never know how far it will go so we understand that whether it's like books or certain things that we produce they will eventually outlive us me knowing i will not be able to travel all over the world i will not be able to reach out to tens and thousands and millions of people physically speaking but I know if I'm able to take whatever God put in my heart in the form of a book, this book will outlive me. It will go to more countries than I'll ever travel. It will have impact a lot more people. So pretty much most of the books that I focus on, it does involve coaching, mentoring, leadership, discipleship. Uh, I do try to focus on the younger generation, like uh, high school, young adults, college age students, where I'm really passionate about. But even anybody at any walk of life will be able to be blessed through the content
0: awesome
1: and so how can they get a hold of you uh they can uh, again you they can go through the personal website uh, my information is there they can also again if they're interested in the books all of them are on amazon i'm on linkedin my whole profile is on linkedin uh, So all the major uh, you know uh, areas out there instagram i'm just trying to you know use whatever platform i believe will be very beneficial so they can find me there
0: Awesome. Well, Stan, this has been a pleasure having you on the show and hearing from you. And thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and all your insights. Uh, It's been a pleasure.
1: Likewise, David. I look forward to all the future uh, events together. Yes.
0: Thank you once again for listening and supporting the No Purpose Without Love podcast. If you like what you've been hearing, please remember to follow this podcast to continue receiving notifications about new upcoming episodes. For more information about how to start your own purpose-filled journey or to get in touch with me, you can start my online course by going to courses.beaconleaders.com or Or you can email me at info at beaconleaders.com. You can also visit my website at www.davidegresso.com. I will post these links and others in the description section of each episode as well. So until next time, remember to lead well, live on purpose, and honor God with your life.